not attempt to adjust the settings on your device. The sounds you hear are not hallucinations. You have crossed into the domain of a traveler that has a taste for telling tales about the macabre, the strange, the unusual, and the morbid. Don't be shy, step inside and take a seat by the fire and enjoy your visit into the world that is the Nightcap Nebula. Welcome to a special Halloween segment of the Nightcap Nebula podcast. This year, your spooky narrator is teaming up with some old friends and a few new ones to deliver on topics that are both fun and historic, but more importantly, notoriously creepy. From all over the world, you have heard about what may lurk in the shadows, what has been whispered about in social circles, and has made its way through the ages as neither fact nor fiction, but rather earned permanent places in the farthest reaches of the imagination and wild speculation that no one, as of yet, has solidified in reality. You've heard tales of serial killers, cryptids, legendary psychopaths, and haunted places that no one dare tread. But now brace yourselves for a trip into the truly unnatural dwellings of urban legends. There's definitely something for all in this collaboration, starting with six Aussie urban legends as told by the Shit and Bricks podcast. Next will be The Curse of Lake Lanier by the Haunted or Hoax podcast. Third in line will be Mysterious Urban Legends of the Heartland from the Haunted Happy Hour podcast. The fourth in line is Pennsylvania and Maryland Urban Legends narrated by the Horror Roulette podcast. Coming up in fifth gear will be Minnesota Urban Legends hosted by the Activity Continues podcast. The sixth entry will be The White Ladies put up by Certainly Strange podcast. On the docket in seventh is French-Canadian lore, La Carue, with the award-winning Skylark Bell podcast. Last, but certainly not least, is number eight, closing things out with the top ten internet urban legends narrated by yours truly, the Nightcap Nebula podcast. Now that all the introductions and promotional stuff is out of the way, what say we get down to the fun and dip into the finale as we get into the imaginative cyber world of terror and intrigue with what is my list of the top 10 internet urban legends. There are multiple circles of hell, according to Dante's Inferno, but the interwebs has its own fair share of surface web pages that have a reputation for spreading far-fetched insanity and ultimate ridiculous meme culture. Sometimes, however, you do get something kind of cool and leads to the lines blurring from fantasy to reality. Enter the rake. Humanity has conjured up creatures for a millennia and beyond, with the creativity well running very dry but there still exist drops of derangement if you tap into that well. It all began in 2005 with a random poster on the infamous message board website called 4chan, asking if someone out there can create a new monster. 
One user posted lots and lots of ideas showcasing his vision of what it would look like, adding a description of what was in each image. After sifting through lots of possibles, one stood out as the victor, and it was coined the Rake. The final sketch was uploaded to another grungy website called Something Awful, and it didn't take long for people to start swirling rumors about the true origin of the creature in question. It looked like a bald humanoid with a hairless dog appearance with long, extremely sharp teeth and nails that stalked its prey for an extended amount of time before killing it. It is highly intelligent and stealthy as well, and extremely fast, so if you land yourself into an unfortunate encounter with this thing, run as fast as you can, or grab a weapon. In 2006, there began a series of stories called Horror Theater, with even rumors beginning about whether the text of each tale was original, or if it was stolen from another online source. What makes this creature so intriguing is that it goes way further back than online mythos, and we're talking centuries. Before the 1600s, there were reports of a creature that resembled the Rake, but any and all real documentation was either lost or destroyed. Near the end of 1691, the first known documentation of the monster was by an English mariner who was traveling to the US and was reportedly attacked by the creature and demanded that they leave, which he and his crew immediately did. It wasn't until a little under 200 years later that a torn journal entry was found from among a Spanish explorer's possessions where it noted that an unknown entity was stalking him, causing him to develop insomnia and become paranoid due to fear and anxiety. Unfortunately, besides the entry and miscellaneous articles of clothing, there was no other evidence to help reveal the identity of the author. It wasn't until 1964 that a man wrote in his journal about something sinister keeping him awake at night and in a constant state of unease and panic. The previous author's fate is unknown, but the man who wrote this entry ended up taking his own life, leaving behind two empty envelopes addressed to individuals known as William and Rose, and one loose personal letter with no envelope that read, Dearest Linny, I have prayed for you. He spoke your name. It is not known who these people are, and remains unknown. In the infancy of the new millennium in 2003, the rake mystery took on a new life in the form of photographic evidence. The trouble was all attempts to publish the pictures were constantly blocked and blacklisted by multiple media outlets, with all known records of the event being mysteriously destroyed. However, later that year, an independent team of researchers and investigators went out on their own to collect evidence on the rake, including bits and pieces of the previously shelved evidence that wasn't cast to the wind. 2006 gave one of the biggest breaks of the rake investigation. The report came from a woman who told of her tragic encounter with the creature. Her husband woke in the early morning, shook her awake, and pointed out a humanoid creature seated at the foot of their bed. It scurried up to the woman's husband and stared at him, then turned around and headed for their children's rooms. The woman and her husband chased after it, only to find it hunched over the body of their daughter, Clara, who was covered in blood, apparently having seriously injured the child. It escaped, and the woman's husband got the dying girl into the car. He drove to a hospital, but ran the car into a lake on the way there, killing both himself and his daughter in the accident. The woman and her son stayed in a hotel for a while after the tragic event, returning home a few days later. When they did, the woman began researching the creature and discovered all she could about it, setting up audio monitors in case she could hear it. Eventually, she heard it speaking on the audio device, though oddly enough, she refused to share what it said. She claims that while she has not directly seen the rake since the incident, she knows that it has been in her room while she sleeps. 
The research and investigative team who looked into the 2003 incident compiled a list of everything that happened to the family and plans to come out with a book about their findings, but no release date has been announced and most likely never will. No other sayings have been reported on, but the rake has been skulking around the internet in the form of video game appearances and movies. It is believed that most of the accounts of picture evidence is either fabricated or possibly a picture of the Devil Dover, which is another urban legend. There have been lots of cameos in various movies and games in the past few years, but the true origins and validity to its existence remains dubious at best. All the more reason to not go out at night, especially if you live in the woods. Who's to say that you aren't being watched by an evil golem-looking cannibalistic freak right now? There is a long-standing approach to the obscure nature of YouTube, and the kind of videos that have been uploaded in the past two decades from cryptic animatronic I Feel Fantastic clips that people have theorized was posted by a serial killer, to incredibly controversial creepypasta web series like Marble Hornets, showcasing the urban legend Slenderman. Then there are some that really start to invade the mind in ways that get you so down the rabbit hole that you start to question your sanity, and that is where the legend of Web Driver Torso begins. A relatively new urban legend, the videos on this channel began uploading clips varying in length from 3 seconds to 11 seconds, usually resembling test noises with blue and red rectangles. There is no intro and no explanation behind these, and the videos are uploaded steadily nearly every day since then, with the total being around 490,000 of these shorts. There isn't much truth to any of the theories revolving around these, but we'll start with the fun ones. A lot of people believe that YouTube is nothing more than a spy service that collects data on people as they watch and secretly record them through malware, which is why some believe this channel is nothing more than a hub for the service to send out signals and awaken sleeper agents from Russia. A silly theory mostly because a US company founded YouTube and would not benefit from a random channel dealing with any international espionage. Kind of bad for business. Another theory is that Google has been using YouTube as a way to secretly send out encoded messages through this channel in order to communicate with extraterrestrials. A tech company getting the edge over NASA is highly unlikely, although the way this world is going, I wouldn't be too surprised. What is even stranger is that there seems to be a break in the monotony in the form of an Eiffel Tower video that has sparked a lot of debate, so the consistency and reasoning is scattered. There has been more rational developments, however. Some forums have claimed that there are similar slides being used to display AI-type randomizers in order to test algorithms and proof has been provided of this. This was only a small piece of the puzzle, however, as another user by the name of Segeto Ventuno uncovered other accounts that displayed similar patterns revealing a very intricate web of test pages, and a creepy thing is once his findings were published, a majority of these channels were made private, but it was too late as the user uncovered names linked to various people around the world, one most notably from the Zurich Google office, suggesting that as an employee in Switzerland pulling a prank, but this is ongoing. There have been a few videos that suggest that it is all an elaborate hoax, such as one that showcases the infamous Rick Roll video, Never Gonna Give You Up, embedded in the colors. When a video site was asked directly about this, it responded in Rick Astley language. We're never gonna give you up, uploading that's slow or loses video quality, and we're never gonna let you down by playing YouTube in poor video quality. That's why we're always running tests, like Web Driver Torso. 
At this point, it is widely accepted that these channels are nothing more than quality tests by a major company initiated by a random engineer. But who knows if that is true, or if it is merely a misdirection. We're no strangers to lore. You know the clues, and so do I. If you got the joke, we could be friends. Scary elements lurk online, and even scarier could be places as well, making it hard to tell what is real and what is fabrication. It all goes back to the beginning Wild West stages, and when people came up with all sorts of outlandish stories, and even perplexing case studies of things called cryptids. It didn't take the internet long to start what would be called the SCP Foundation, or the Secure, Contain, and Protect Organization, which supposedly harbors all manner of dangerous, hostile, unpredictable, and docile creations that require around-the-clock care, ranging from sentient old pipes to alarm clocks that can make your head implode. There is one that has gained more notoriety than others, simply because there is a supposed picture of it, and it has made its rounds to the deepest corners of message boards and hoax sites, and it has been dubbed SCP-173. Little is known about what this entity is, but it was moved to another containment site in 1993, being dubbed extremely hostile and dangerous, and has earned classification status 4, Euclid, due to its unpredictability and irrational acts. What is known about its construction is that it has Krylon paint and a concrete and rebar frame, which is why it is also known as the Sculpture by SCP personnel. It resembles something you might find in an abandoned 50s fair, complete with chipped colors with slightly burnt features. It stands about 7 feet tall and has an odd, mutated, pale, white root vegetable appearance. There is also an unnerving red clown look of surprise expression on its face that looks almost evil in a way that would set off alarm bells instantly. That isn't even the scariest part about this thing. What terrifies the staff is the way it moves, and unnaturally, extraordinarily fast, it can get from point A to point B, if you even glance away from it for a nanosecond. There are reports of it having snapped the neck of someone without even having shown any inkling of movement, at least not caught by the naked eye. Special cameras were set up at one point to try and catch it in action, but were unsuccessful. New theories started popping up that it doesn't move at all, that it in fact uses its mind to cause physical harm. However, when it is being directly observed or stared at with no blinking in between, nothing happens, which has led many to believe that it moves faster than anything can detect, even equipment that specializes in frame-by-frame -frame analyzing. While under observation, it is not unusual to frequently hear scraping on the stone cell, and when this is not heard, it is a cause for concern. There is also a constant presence of blood and feces on the floor, but it is unknown how each keep appearing, since the enclosure is routinely cleaned. Its current incarceration is under strict rules to not let any civilians inside to even study it or sketch it, since rumor has it that even a sketch can cause schizophrenia and delusion if looked at too long. There have been current efforts to isolate it permanently so that no human interaction is needed. Now, you might be wondering why this is being discussed, since it is clearly made-up nonsense. Maybe it is to get you interested in the SCP. Maybe I want you to dig deeper down an endless rabbit hole that you can't climb out of. <laughs> I guess you'll never know.
I have something to confess to you all. This humble narrator hates social media. In fact, I loathe it. There are too many crazies out there that can make or break reputations just by posting fabrications that are just untrue and only seek to damage and hurt. However, sometimes social media can reveal the innermost creative sides of others that lead the most gullible readers into what could possibly become very dangerous situations. Enter the Momo Challenge. Around 2019, shortly before all of humanity lost what was left of its collective mind, there was still some form of dangerous fun to be had online, and a fair amount of nativity was really rife among those that believed everything they read. According to Lore, the Momo Challenge is a viral game shared on messaging services like WhatsApp that goads young children into violence or even suicide. Images of the devilish bird lady supposedly pop up with creepy messages and commands that are said to escalate to extreme violence and horror. Other iterations of the story claim to feature the terrifying image spliced into children's programs like Peppa Pig or video games like Fortnite in videos posted to YouTube. Even more news reports say the challenge has spread to Snapchat. A picture of what has been referred to as Mother Bird depicts what this Momo creature supposedly looks like. A possessed, deformed Beetlejuice-looking chicken lady creation, with huge bug eyes and an obscenely wide smile with no teeth. Funny thing is, this picture predates the challenge three years prior, having absolutely nothing to do with it. An artist by the name of Kasuki Asawa made it for a Japanese special effects company called Link Factory. Message boards like Reddit are breeding grounds for these types of things, so when a user got a hold of the image, it quickly took hold, and by 2018, a new online myth was born. It didn't take long for applications such as WhatsApp to quickly start circulating stories to parents about kids taking knives to their throats, getting commands to kill themselves in a violent fashion. Facebook was the first place that made the hoax more widespread and parents became legitimately freaked out, not knowing who or what could be doing this. Pictures began to post of warnings and dangers to not play the game, but there were no rules to be had and no real evidence to suggest that there were any casualties. News outlets and even some very stupid celebrities took notice urging platforms like YouTube to remove these videos and images to protect children. Thankfully, it didn't take long for those that knew better to catch on and start informing others that it was all a viral prank, that nothing happened to any kids, and that Momo was not real. Just like that, it faded into obscurity, but had it not been for more famous urban legends like Slenderman, Momo wouldn't have gotten a second glance. Still, some people believe this is real, but those numbers are small and not worth worrying about. It can be tricky being a parent in these trying times, but I caution those of you that are responsible for a young life with this piece of advice. Have them read a Stephen King book and not creepypasta stories. Children love playing all sorts of schoolyard games from Tag, Foursquare, Kickball, and of course, Hide and Go Seek. These games are usually harmless and the most they can lead to is taunting and maybe some light scrapes and bruises, which is par for the course when you were young. But what about when you add a twist to one of these activities that can lead to conjuring an entity or something that should not be? Even worse, you're all alone with no one to help you should something go wrong. If all this sounds appealing, then hide and go seek alone is for you. Virtually nothing is known about where this originated from, but it supposedly circulated around a Japanese message board in 2007 under the name Hitori Kurenkambo. 
under the post, it gave explicit instructions and circulated to other websites until it was found by a blog called Seiya the Underworld that specialized in translating urban legends and ghost stories to English. After it was transcribed, it began to make its rounds all over the internet with the rules which are apparently very important to follow. They are materials, a non-human stuffed doll, rice, something off of your body such as nails or hair, a sharp object, not a knife or scissors, red thread, salt water or salt, a bathtub filled with water, and a safe hiding place. For the rules, there are many, but you should start by naming the dolls and stuffing it with the materials except the red thread, which you use to sew up the doll's mouth. After 3am is when it is usually played, as is easier to invoke the spirits. After this, you have to follow the guidelines of adhering to leaving objects inside the dolls, not playing for more than two hours, drinking the salt water after ending the ritual, and not turning around when you are going to your hiding spot. All this is to say that there were plenty of people that cataloged their experiences online for everyone to see and soon gained a cult following. Some investigators even used it to try and commune with the spirits. All the claims that this game had any real danger attached to it were so unfounded, but that didn't stop people from uploading clips with darkness, creepy sounds, really unnerving music, and other unsettling visuals designed for shock value. This phenomenon didn't last long and gradually faded away in a few short months with barely anyone talking about or uncovering it outside of Japan and Korea, becoming no more than Asian folklore for young children. To this day, it is not discussed beyond those countries. They say there is nothing more precious than the sound of a baby's laughter, but I say there is nothing more precious than the sound of a child being scared out of their wits, especially when they should know better than to antagonize the spirit realm for entertainment. The allure of creepy videos and cursed images has been a sort of draw for thrill-seekers that don't like to leave their homes and would rather live vicariously through some other's pain and misery, while also delivering a chance at secretly becoming part of the narrative. Besides these mediums, there are also websites that can supposedly give you your fix. But the problem is, if they exist only in the imagination, what good are they? We want something that's more based in reality. And sometimes, things like the Blind Maiden come in to deliver. Originating in Spain, but it is not known what year, a boy was reportedly so engrossed by a woman's appearance that he fainted. The woman in question thought he was dead, and left not knowing that he was still alive. The boy then spread the story. It begins with one attempting to access the site called The Blind Maiden, but there are procedures such as having to wait until midnight on a moonless night. All lights must be turned off in your house, and you must be alone. The website appears offline otherwise, and cannot be accessed. Once inside, pictures of terrified and eyeless children are shown rapid fire on your computer screen before Spanish text is shown, roughly translating to this website will take you to a whole new level of horror. A horror that will use all five of your senses. You must be very careful not to click on anything by accident. You'll be faced with a real experience of absolute horror. Click the accept button to engage actively in the experience. An accept and decline button will appear at the bottom and is strongly advised that you not click accept as the screen will go black and show the silhouette of a woman standing outside your home that is presumably the blind maiden. As the monitor zooms in on your back, you get a tap on the shoulder trying to get your attention, and of course, you'll turn around, only to be greeted by her. 
It is then that you will be most likely ripped apart in some fashion as you are stared at menacingly. When she is finished, she tears out your eyes, takes a picture, and posts it up in the gallery of others she has slain. Because that would have been your reward, should you have chosen the decline button, looking at her past victims without having become one yourself. It is said that you can cheat your demise if you knock yourself unconscious before she arrives, but it might just be a better idea to not click accept just to be safe. No further information exists for this legend, but it is said to circulate through the schools in Spain, especially among high schoolers during Halloween, as a rite of passage. I would rather just look at cat pictures and read offensive jokes than risk summoning an ugly banshee woman keen on taking snuff film photos of my face for all the electronic world to see, but that's just me. Growing up, kids remember events differently than when they become adults, and no one knows why. The theory is the Mandela effect that creates a paradox in the brain, causing a parallel that often distorts reality. Take the Berenstain Bears, for example. Did you know it is the Berenstain Bears? Some will swear that it was spelled with an E, and that it was changed creating a conspiracy that exists to this day. Kids' shows are no different, as is the case with the very strange and eluding show that is Candle Cove. First mentioned in 2009, the backstory to Candle Cove is dubious. Author and illustrator Chris Straub's horror fiction site Icker Falls, which collected a number of creepy stories he had written revolving around the titular fictional town. The story plays out between exchanges from members of the Net Nostalgia Forum who are trying to remember the show. They go back and forth with each recalling their memories about it, such as marionette characters like Pirate Percy, a cowardly buccaneer who captained the laughing stock and a living pirate ship with a wide mouth across its bow. They were also joined on their adventures by a young girl named Janice, who was the protagonist of the show. As they continue, they also recall more sinister characters like Horace Horrible and the devious skeleton first mate called the Skin Talker. Each episode reportedly had subliminal messages where Percy said, you have to go inside, or some instances where the entire episode is just the characters screaming. Oddly, each person recalling the show had more vivid realizations that it was more than just a show, sending them into a weird trance and then nothing. They went back to normal conversation like it never happened. Straub said in 2011 that he wanted to get the story out of his head, and it took on a life of its own. It was never based in any kind of reality, but fan-made likenesses of his vision have popped up all over the web since. He even agreed on a deal that showcased creepypasta-type stories showcasing his creation and other creations called Channel Zero on sci-fi. Today, it has taken on such a life of its own that fans have gone so far as to say the show goes back to the 1700s in ancient folklore, which is a fabrication, but it is fun to imagine that it runs so deep. I would advise you kids to not sit too close to the TV because it might rot your brain, but in this instance, I would advise not absorbing what you see, lest you end up on the back of a milk carton. Who doesn't like animals? Okay, maybe not all of them. The cat from Pet Cemetery and Cujo probably aren't very cuddly and will eat your heart. Then again, there are demons out there posing as animals, such as the one from Smile.jpg. 
Originating in 2010 on various creepypasta forums, the story hosts a mischievous, smiling Siberian husky in a photograph that is said to be evil, demonic, and full of murderous rage. When the picture is viewed, the person will experience torments, suicidal thoughts, and nightmares about gruesome torture. Said nightmares will always feature Smile Dog, and in the dream, the person will ask what it wants, to which the dog replies, Spread the word. People have interpreted this as it wanting its pictures sent to others, and the ones that did not do what it says ended up experiencing increased nightmares and even more suicidal thoughts. If after three days the person still does not honor the entity's wishes, the picture will begin to mutate, turning into a more horrifying depiction, causing the person to experience dreams so unimaginably unspeakably disturbing that those unfortunate enough to have dreamt them up have lost their minds or ended up screaming for days, refusing to sleep. To their horror, Smile Dog does not relent and is said to haunt people for months and even years until they spread the word. If somehow the victim resists sleep, somehow resists all of Smile Dog's attempts to coerce him or her to do its bidding, it will go to the last resort of manifesting into a physical form and viciously ripping out the victim's throat, thus ending their suffering and moving on to the next person. Although no one knows the exact origin of Smile Dog or where he originally came from, there are some who say that the origins of this entity come from an original picture of the devil himself, implying that Smile Dog is another in a long line of little horn manifestations. However, these claims are said to be mostly invalid and unknown as to where they came from, as Smile Dog's origins have been shrouded by mysteries since its debut. You know, what disturbs me the most is that this image hasn't been seen by me until now, and I'm starting to hear panting and a low growling. Killers are everywhere, and you may be living next to one right now. Hey, you never know what your neighbor is capable of. It is a really scary realization, but the world is an unpredictable, disturbed place where humans live and die by the sword. Does the internet have things that defy logic? Of course. What about odd murderers? Ones that make your skin crawl and titillate your darkest imaginations? Let Jeff the Killer enter your mind. Originating from a Japanese manga message board in 2008, a user supposedly stole the image of Jeff the Killer from the site claiming it as his own. The best way to describe the picture is to imagine a melted hockey mask filled with molding clay and plastered on a greasy homeless man. Did I paint you a delightfully ugly visual? Good. A few people came forward claiming that the image was of a young woman who committed suicide but was proven to be a hoax. Later in the year, a YouTuber by the name of Cicero wrote a creepypasta that built on the disturbing picture. Fans built upon his imagining, and he was so displeased with the result that he took down the video depicting the so-called Jeff. As a result, the biography of Jeff has been warped and twisted depending on who is writing his backstory, but it is generally understood that he is a psychopath who despises bullies, tortured, and killed his parents. He was a suburban teen that had a normal family with a few siblings. They moved to a well-to-do neighborhood, and all was going well until Jeff was confronted by bullies at a bus stop at Knife Point. Jeff starts feeling a disturbance in his head that he couldn't explain, and soon unleashes unbridled rage onto the bullies, incapacitating them. The incident sparks the police to question Jeff and are about to lock him up, but his brother steps forward to claim responsibility, even brandishing the knife the bullies used, showing fabricated bruises to prove that he was the aggressor. His brother is taken away. 
Racked with guilt, his mother forces him to get out and mingle, which he does, but is once again confronted by the same bullies that threatened him and his siblings. A fight ensues between the lead bully, while the others hold onlookers and parents at gunpoint, telling them not to interfere. Jeff is hit with a vodka bottle and taunted, but Jeff fights back, landing a punch into the bully's chest, causing heart arrhythmia, killing him. Shocked, scared, and upset, the other bullies open fire on Jeff missing him as he flees to the restroom, luring them, where the remaining bullies are mortally wounded. Before they die, one of them flicks his lighter onto Jeff and ignites him due to all the alcohol on his person. Jeff falls down after a minute, trying to extinguish the flames. A few hours later, Jeff wakes up with bandages all over him, and his mother tells him that his brother is being released from prison. After several weeks, the bandages on his face are removed, revealing a disfigured face that Jeff takes a liking to. The doctors tell his family the painkillers are making him delusional, and not to worry that it will pass. Later, Jeff is found by his mother in the bathroom, where he slices a wide smile from cheek to cheek and burns his eyelids. His mother realizes her son is gone, that he must die, telling her husband what they must do. Unfortunately for them, Jeff overhears this and brutally kills them both. His brother tries to ignore the screams until Jeff tiptoes into his room, smiling with fire in his eyes and a sharp knife above his head, as he casually tells his brother to go to sleep. He then plunges the knife into his chest, leaving his brother to die. After this, Jeff goes on a bloodthirsty rampage, slaughtering those who refuse to go to sleep at night. Jeff the Killer's whereabouts remain unknown to this day, so insomniacs may want to start a daily dose of melatonin or, hell, get someone to drop an anvil on their head. It sure beats the alternative. Horror buffs have seen the movies The Village of the Damned and Children of the Corn, and some viewers have used it as a form of birth control based on how utterly spine-chilling kids can be. What if I told you it can get worse, and it can happen seemingly whenever and unusually late at night? Let me introduce you to The Black-Eyed Children. Although sayings have popped up as far back as the 1980s, claims have been unsubstantiated and sketchy at best, kind of like the Mothman of Point Pleasant. The real origins point to a reporter in Abilene, Texas named Brian Bethel in 1996 who wrote about two encounters he had in Vermont with these children who had what he described as being extremely pale with deep dark black eyes. He has been recounting his experience for years, even having a segment in 2012 on the TV show Monsters and Mysteries in America with some events changing a bit. The original story is as follows, read verbatim from the viewpoint of the teller, not the original author. In the snowy town, within the middle of nowhere of Vermont, an elderly couple heard the sound of three loud knocks on their door. They opened the door and saw two children, a boy and a girl. Parents will be here soon, maybe come in. The children did not make eye contact and just stood there in the doorway. The elderly couple were hesitant, but after a while, they let the boy and girl inside. The kids settled on the couch while the wife made some hot cocoa and the husband asked them questions that went unanswered. The wife returned and noticed that her cat was scared and angry with the children. May we please use the restroom? The wife looked at the kids and she finally saw them. The children's eyes were as black as a starless universe. She directed them to the bathroom and returned to her husband, who was covering his face with his hand. Did you see their eyes? The husband then showed her his hand full of blood from a nosebleed. 
The power suddenly went out, and the house turned as dark as the kid's eyes. The wife headed to the restroom and was confronted by the voice of the kids at the end of the hall uttering, Our parents are here. The kids then exited the house, leaving the door wide open. The wife then noticed that there were two men at the end of the driveway. The men were very tall and slender. The wife waved, but did not receive the same friendly gesture. The two men and children then drove away together in one car. The power then came back on a little later after the kids left. Throughout the next week, weird things happened in the house. Three out of the four cats went missing and the fourth had been found dead in a pool of its own blood. The husband continued to have nosebleeds and finally went to the doctor, where he was diagnosed with very aggressive skin cancer. That is where the story ends, but the other account is much less detailed. He recounts that he was inside his car in a movie parking lot when two children tapped on the side of his driver's side window. He rolled it down and immediately felt uneasy, but when he looked into their eyes, he got a sense of panic and dread, but was unable to flee. The children said they were harmless and asked for a ride, but Brian left soon after somehow regaining his senses. He stands by his claims that he is not embellishing anything, but that is very hard to discern and should be extremely suspect. Since Brian's sightings, they have been spotted all over the world, in places like the UK, where in 2014, residents of Staffordshire claimed to see black-eyed kids in a local haunted pub. Paranormal investigators have been trying to figure out if they are aliens, vampires, or ghosts but no real photos exist of these entities, which leaves only a lot of wild theories and half-hearted explanations. Today, people still swear that, while driving late at night, they spot these creepy youngsters walking down the empty back roads or seeing them looking into their bedroom or living room windows. Some even reported seeing them during episodes of sleep paralysis or haunting their dreams if they saw them previously and didn't interact. Whatever the experiences, they seem to be scattered and could possibly be the result of delusions, but no current sightings have been reported. Whatever the reason for these demon preteens have for walking amongst you, fine people, and causing torment, I want to apologize to you all because I just haven't found all the ones that escaped yet. If you see one, be sure to give me a call and make sure to scream first so I know that it's serious. <laughs> <laughs> And so at last we reach the end of our long road down the phantasmal information superhighway. Thank you so much for tuning into our All Hallows Eve special and capping things off by listening to my segment. Be sure to stay tuned to my new season which will begin December 1st with all new tales of the unknown and a lot of surprises in between. I may even throw in a collaboration into the mix with one of our very talented podcasters from the BooPod Network. Definitely stay tuned for that and more. Also, be sure to like, subscribe, and comment wherever you get your podcasts as it greatly increases our exposure. Until next time, be safe, stay curious, and happy Halloween. <laughs>